Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. On television or, or even at church where God speaks to you through the message and you're, you're convinced and convicted that you need to do something and you, you heard it, but you never take the next step. Understand that the way God works in our lives is much like this, that he'll speak. And as we listen and obey, we'll find that our walk with the Lord is progressing that we're moving forward, that, that we're, we're, we're moving in a forward progress with the Lord. The way you get stuck in your walk with the Lord is when God speaks, you hear, and you don't do what he said do. And you end up stuck. Has God spoken to you recently? You may not be aware of it, but the answer is yes. He speaks to all of us regularly. The problem is that many of us aren't listening. If you are listening, that's great, but there's another step still. You need to do what he's telling you to and be who he wants you to be. As Pastor Bill will challenge us in today's message, it's time to be the church that God has called us to be. Enough sideline Christianity. It's time to get up and follow Jesus where he leads us. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 8 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Numbers chapter 8, look at verse 1. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and say to him, when you arrange the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light in front of the lampstand. And it says, and Aaron did so, he arranged them. Let me go back up. If you guys remember the relationship between Moses and Aaron, the way that God has set them up, Moses is kind of the one that's hearing directly from the Lord. Aaron, his, 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 uh, his brother is there and you guys remember in the beginning, God had told Moses what he was going to do through him. And Moses, I can't do it. I stuttered. Da, 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 and ended up God's OK. Well, then take Aaron with you and Aaron will be a spokesman. So there's kind of this relationship that Moses has to Aaron where he's in. He's a, a mediator. God is speaking to Moses to speak to Aaron. And for anybody here that works in a scenario where you got to pass messages down, what, what can happen when messages are passed down from person to person? It, it, you know, if. You can give a message directly, clearly to one person and they mess it up. Well, the more people you got to pass it down through, the more chance for error, the more chance for somebody in that chain to decide they don't want to listen, you know, or they want it or they see it a little bit different. And I just want to point out in the very beginning, we're going to see several or a few times in this chapter. Um, just it's, I call it progressive obedience that because there was obedience at this point. Things kept moving forward the way that God wanted. God told Moses what to do. Moses doesn't question God. He, says, he just goes right to Aaron and tells Aaron what God said to do. Aaron doesn't question Moses. He goes right on doing what Moses said, God said that he's supposed to do. And I just want to challenge all of us to consider our level of obedience when God has spoken to us. Maybe it's directly in your devotional time that God has spoken to you. And we can hear a word from the Lord, be convicted, be challenged, be encouraged, be be moved to do something and then never get up and do it. Um, it could be through a message. It could be through a message you're listening to on the radio or on television or, or even at church where God speaks to you through the message. And you're you're convinced and convicted that you need to do something and you you heard it, but you never take the next step. Understand that the way God works in our lives is much like this, that he'll speak. And as we listen and obey, we'll find that our walk with the Lord is progressing that we're moving forward, that that we're, we're, we're moving in a forward progress with the Lord. The way you get stuck in your walk with the Lord is when God speaks, you hear and you don't do 
what he said do. And you end up stuck. And you'll be stuck in the same place and you'll be somewhere else and God will speak again the same thing. And if you don't obey, you'll be stuck. And you may have to hear that same thing 10 times before you finally get up and do it because God's not going to change his tune or his message to you. So I just want to point that out. So the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and say to him, when you arrange the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light in front of the lampstand. So you remember we talked about this in the book of Exodus. Uh, in Exodus, God had given direction for the, the lamps. Um, as they were given instruction for the building of the tabernacle, the place where people were going to meet with God, the lamps uh, were going to be a very important part. The, it was a menorah. It was one piece all made of gold. And it was going to be there to it was going to be put there to bring light into the tabernacle. And I think it's significant. It's important that God tells him, I want you to set the light in the front. Um, and that's what you think for a minute. Right. You listen to that. I want you to set the light in the front. I want this thing to give light into to all the tabernacle. Anybody comes in, I want this thing to give forth light. Don't hide it. Don't put it way in the back. But God said, I want you to put it up in the front. I want I want I want this light to go forth. In Matthew five. God tells us if you guys are writing notes, you can write down Matthew chapter five. I'm going to read verses 13 through 15 to us. In Matthew five, verse 14 through 16. It says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. And Jesus here instructs us the same thing. He says, he doesn't tell us to work at being the light. He just says, you are the light of the world. Um, that's what you are. If you're a believer, Christ lives in you. Jesus says you are the light of the world. And he says that you don't hide a light. You don't put it under a basket. You don't put it where it can't be seen. Um, if you put a light, you want to put it where it's going to it's going to help the most people. It's going to give the most light in the room. He says you don't hide it under a bush. You put it where it can be seen. Then it might give light to all the room or all who are in the house. And then he tells us how to do it. He says, let your light. So shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your father. And how do I let my light shine? How does how do I let the light of Christ shine through my life? God says, let your works, let your good works be done in such a way that men would see your good works and glorify me. And so everybody here, we have we have opportunity every single day to let our light shine, to let the Lord use us in a way that, that gives light to other people through our work through our good works, through our ministry, through the things that we do, we're able to share that. So uh, once again, he tells them that these seven lamps are going to give light in front of the lampstand. He tells them where he wants to place that. Verse three, it says, and Aaron did so. He arranged the lamps to face the front of the lampstand as the Lord had commanded Moses. And I just want to point out again, Aaron's obedience. God told Moses what to tell Aaron Moses obeyed God and told Aaron and now Aaron obeyed and did exactly what Moses said God told him to do. I want you to consider for a moment if Moses had said, I don't, I don't want to tell him that. I don't, I don't really want the lamps in the front. I like them off to the side. Or if Aaron would have got the instruction and decided that I think there's a better placement for the lamps. Um, and we may laugh at that. We may think that sounds silly, but that's what some of us do. God will give a very clear instruction for our lives and it doesn't suit us. I know God says this, but, you know, this 
I just kind of think it will work out better this way. I know he says don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever, but but they got a good job or I, they came to church that one time. You know, we'll just we'll, we'll compromise and make deals and everything else. I just want you to see that because they've been obedient each step along the way, things keep moving forward. And we want that to become our normal and our habit with the Lord. When our daily reading, as we're reading the word, you look for the Lord to speak to you. Sometimes God's going to speak something that's going to comfort your heart because he knows you need to be comforted sometimes. Sometimes God's going to speak something that's going to stir you, challenge you in, in an area of your walk with the Lord because you need to be challenged in areas of your walk with the Lord. But there are times where God's going to speak things that are going to be directive. This is for you to do. And as you hear from the Lord things that you're to do, you want to be obedient to do them. Uh, you want to just move forward. God, I'm going to do what you said do, because that's how I move forward in my walk with the Lord is obeying the things that God has spoken a step at a time. One other way that I think we would just I just want to illustrate light. Um, I know that we're to be the light. I know in John, Jesus said that he's the light of the world. And um, one of the thought that I had just in terms of light is Psalm 119, 105, where the word said, where it says that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. The psalmist says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God, but it's the word of God that gives us light. And when you look at that verse, it says it's a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. In those days, when they would walk, um, they didn't have street lights like we have. They had, um, they, had, they had torches in different ways. They would light up a road to figure out where they were going. And when it says your word is a lamp to my feet, that was a lamp that you held in your hand as you walked. And it, it gave you enough, you know, enough light to see where you were going a step at a time. So your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It would be representative of torches that are kind of guiding, kind of like the street lights. In a dark night, the street lights can kind of show you that the street's just going to go straight or it's going to turn off left or curve or whatever. It gives general direction, but it also gives step by step direction. Why we need to be so consistent to be in the word of God in all the different ways that we can collectively like this and Bible studies and fellowship with other people and reading by yourself. We all need to be in the word of God, but you got to be in the word of God in an obedient posture. You can't just be in the word of God to be in the word. I'm, I'm in the word all the time. I go to church Sunday, Thursday, I, devotions, women's study, men's study, whatever you do. We have to do all of that with the intent to obey what we're reading or we're just, we're actually putting ourselves in a place of, of, of where we're going to be disciplined. We're, now I'm aware of more that I'm not doing. Um, so the goal of being in the word or under the word is that we might be obedient to the word. Amen. And so moving on now, it says in verse four, now this workmanship of the lampstand was hammered gold from its shaft to its flowers. It was hammered work according to the pattern which the Lord has shown Moses. So he made the lampstand and uh, sorry, verse five. And it says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the Levites among the children of Israel and cleanse them ceremonially. So First, we know that, the, again, we, we already went over this in Exodus, so I'm not going to go all into it tonight. But the, it says um, the lamps were made according to the pattern which the Lord had showed Moses. So there was obedience a long time ago in Exodus when God said, I want you to make the lamp like this. It's one big piece of gold. It's hammered. There's all this detailed work. Um, it's hammered in, into the shape that it's in or whatever. And it's exactly the way that God told them to do it. And I circled in verse five the word then. Because there have been steps of obedience up to here. God spoke to Moses. He obeyed. Moses spoke to Aaron. He obeyed. Now this takes us back to Exodus where God had told Moses to have it made just like this. And Moses had the people that hammered the gold make it just like this. And so after all this obedience, it says, then. So God's saying, okay, now that's all that's done. 
all that's exactly the way I want it. Now, now I'm going to speak to you some more about what else I want to do. And once again, I want you just to know that if you feel that you're walking with the Lord, I feel stuck. I feel like I don't feel like God's speaking to me anymore. I don't feel like things are not moving forward. God's not, God's not showing me anything new. I'm not, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't, I don't have an idea about God's will for my life. If you feel stuck, it's a great probability, it's a great chance that there's something God has spoken for you to do or spoken for you to not do that you haven't heeded yet. And so God's saying, I'm, I'm just going to wait. There, I don't have a new message for you. I don't got a new word. I don't have a new direction for you. I want you to, that thing right there, that's, that's my issue right now. That's what I'm talking to you about. And so if you're here and you can say, man, there's, there, there, there's something in my life that God's been speaking about. Um, man, start obeying now. Surrender it now. Let the Lord have his way now. Do what he told you to do now that things can begin to progress and move forward. Verse six, it says, now the next direction was to take the Levites from among the children of Israel and to cleanse them ceremonially. So the Levites have been set apart for the service of the Lord. Um, if I can make the distinction between the priest and the Levites, the priest dealt with more the spiritual interaction, the spiritual duties within the temple. The Levites dealt with more of the, the service aspects. Um, they took care of the furnishings and the setting up and the tearing down and all those sort of things. And it would, the best way I could explain it would be like, you know, you, you may have someone that's functioning like a minister and you may have those that are functioning as deacons, those that are doing practical ministry and those that are managing the spiritual ministry, the spiritual work. Leave the priests and the Levites, the priests have more of a spiritual role and function, but here the Levites have also been set apart for God and they have a very important role. And we're going to see that even though they're not doing necessarily spiritual service like the priest, God still requires of those that are going to serve in even practical ways that they be right with him and that they be cleansed and that they be set apart. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that as we, we as we come to it. So they're going to be ceremonially cleansed. Verse seven, thus you shall do to them to cleanse them, sprinkle water of purification on them and let them shave all their body and let them wash their clothes and so make themselves clean. And so the way that they were to become ceremonially cleansed at this time as a Levite serving back then was that they were going to sprinkle water for purification on them. They were going to shave their entire body. Interesting. They were going to wash all their clothes. Then they would be ceremonially cleansed. Um, this is similar to some other things that we've seen as a leper would be cleansed and he would have to shave all the hair. The idea was a brand new start, right? If you shave off all your hair, um, that means from that point, everything that everything that sprouts is going to be brand new. And the idea was they were being cleansed of everything that was there, clothes washed, all the hair shaved off, cleaned up, and they're being presented brand new to the Lord. Now, as you read this, um, that, does it sound strange to you? Um, if you're a Levite and you want to be a service to the Lord and they say, OK, if you're ready to serve God, I want you to shave your entire body, everything. I don't know if that meant eyebrows, everything, just shave everything. So at what point do we say, that's weird, man. I'm not, I don't, I don't want to do that. Or do we just say, you know what, that, that's what it takes. Whatever it takes. Well, if that's what you want, Lord, that's what I'll do. I read this and I'm thinking that, you know, that's it's strange. You know, someone said, I want you to shave everything. Everything? My eyebrows? <laughs> I like my eyebrows, you know. Every, I mean, seems strange. But if that's what the Lord calls for, we just obey. And all you got to do is walk with the Lord for a while 
And there are going to be times where God calls you to do some things that seem strange. Maybe not this, right? I, I'm careful to point out. I don't want nobody thinking that in order to serve, don't show up Sunday with your eyebrows shaved, talking about, I want to serve. Um, this is the Old Testament spoken to the Levites that during that period of time. We're not under it. Don't trip. But there will be things that God will speak to you that will be strange to you. That may be difficult to your flesh, but you obey. In faith and obedience, you obey that you might move forward and grow and prosper in the thing for which God has called you to do. And so this was how they were to make themselves clean. So I underline that phrase, make themselves clean. And I just want to point out a couple things. Most Christians are quick when it comes to, if I were to say, you know, what do you got to do to be cleansed of your sins? Most of us would go to, where would we go? Was that? Someone tell me. First John 1, 9, the Christian bar is open. If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me. And most of us are very comfortable with the aspect of being cleansed that doesn't require us to do the scrubbing. So, God, if I confess it and you're faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me, I feel good about that. That's so good. And I'm not taking that verse out of the Bible. It's there. But can I tell you a couple of other verses that are in the Bible that talk about what we got to do for ourselves? Because we can be really, you know, people get really, really good about knowing God's part and we can be really weak sometimes in what's my part though do I have a part in being cleansed right these guys are being cleansed for ministry and there's a part done to them but there's a part there to do to themselves and so I'm going to just give you a couple verses write down uh or if you could turn there if you want write down second Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1 second Corinthians 7 1 it says therefore Having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So 2 Corinthians 7, 1 tells me having these promises is pointing back to the earlier portion in chapter 6, verses 14 through 18 that talk about how the, as we're separated to the Lord, we'll be his kids and he'll be our father. Well, there's awesome relationship with the Lord. And it says, therefore, because of that. Um, having these promises, beloved, he said, let us cleanse ourselves. And notice it says from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit to cleanse ourselves, cleanse yourself. There's some stuff God wants you to put away yourself. It says perfecting holiness. How? In the fear of God. And you'll find that if you lack holiness, you synonymously lack a fear of the Lord. When you find someone that's walking in holiness, you'll find someone that fears the Lord. Find someone that just does whatever they want. They've lost the fear of God. They're not aware of his presence. They, they just do whatever they want. They're not aware that he's there. They don't fear him. No reverence for the Lord. But walk in the fear of the Lord. There'll be holiness. They'll be separate. They'll be set apartness. If you're writing notes, you could also write down James uh, chapter 4, verse 8. And I'll read that to you. James 4, 8 it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. And those seem like kind of harsh words, but James is saying, look, you know, there is a part that God does, but he's saying, look, you, you, you clean, you wash up, you, you clean up some things. And I, I believe that most of us would be able to admit, he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Right? There are things that we need to repent of and lay down that we might be clean before the Lord. So coming back here to Numbers chapter 8, they're told to, to make themselves clean. Verse 8. It says, then let them take a young bull with its grain offering and fine flour mixed with oil. And you shall take another young bull as a sin offering 
And you shall bring the Levites before the tabernacle of meeting and you shall gather together the whole congregation of the children of Israel. So you shall bring the Levites before the Lord and the children of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites. And Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord like a wave offering from the children of Israel that they may perform the work of the Lord. So after they cleanse themselves, the next part of the ceremony is that there's going to be offerings given up. It says they're going to bring a bull. There's going to be two bulls and they're going to be offered up. And it says that the the young, first the first one is going to be a young bull with a grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil. And you're going to take another young bull as a sin offering. And these are going to be offered up to the Lord. And it says you shall bring the Levites there and gather them with the whole congregation. Bring the, the Levites before the Lord and the children of Israel. And it says the children of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites. They're going to lay their hands on them. Right. This is um, they're laying their hands on them for to, 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 to anoint them, to bless them for service to God. Um, the congregation is in agreement with this. They're, they're, this is this is something God's doing for them. They're they're going to be serving this congregation. The congregation laying their hands on them um, reminds me of Acts chapter six when there were some servants needed in the church. They needed people to serve table. And what the, the apostles said was, I want you to seek out from among yourselves seven men of good reputation. That means that the the body as a whole is going to have to sign off that. We, this person has a good reputation among the body, not just seven random people. You throw them at them and say, here, use them. But seven people that have a good reputation in the body, the body was in agreement. So here they're all laying hands on them. Verse 11. And it says Aaron is going to offer the Levite before the Lord like a wave offering. Now, if you remember in our study in Leviticus, when you look at the wave offering, the wave offering usually was a piece of meat. Uh, it might have been a thigh or, a, you know, a leg. Of the, it might have been some portion of the of the animal that was there and it would be waved before the Lord. And it was an offering. And this is what that offering was saying. It was, uh, it was a thanksgiving. It was saying, thank you, Lord, for what you've already given. And and we know that more is to come. But it was an offering saying, look, this is we're giving this to you. We're, we're so we're glad to offer this to you when it was waved before the Lord. And so. The Levites are being offered up to the Lord like a wave offering. They're, they're, being, they're being put for God. We're offering them up to you as a wave, they're, they're, as a wave offering. We're, we're thankful. They're going to serve you. Um, and a, as with the other things that are given off in faith, there's an acknowledgement that as we give this to you, Lord, we know that there's more to come. Uh, you provided this. We're, we're, we're offering it to you. So just, we're giving thanks for it, but we know that there's also more to come. They're going to be offered up as a wave offering. We'll see that several times mentioned um, in, in the rest of the chapter, verse, uh, the rest of verse 11, after they're offered like a wave offering from the children of Israel that they may perform the work of the Lord. That's what they're going to do. Verse 12, it says, then the Levites shall lay their hands on the heads of the young bulls and you shall offer them as a sin offering. The other is a burnt offering to the Lord to make atonement for the Levites. So when they would lay their hands on the animal that's going to be sacrificed, it's the idea that there's, there's a transfer. I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. I'm laying my hands on this innocent animal. It's going to die in my place that my sins are taken off of me and put on this animal. And it's a picture. God laid this picture way back here. It was a picture of what was to come in Jesus Christ, who would be the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, who, who our guilt and our sin would go upon him. And he would die in our place that we would be forgiven. And so there's a sin offering. 
They put their head, their hands on the head of this animal. There's a transfer, our sins to this animal. This animal is going to die in our place. The, always God had it set up that it would be the, the bloodshed of the innocent to cleanse or to cover or to wash away the sins of the guilty. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Numbers, well, it has a lot of numbers, but there's much more in this book than that. During their long, drawn-out journey, the Israelites' faith in God is tested. In return, these wayward people test God's patience towards them, but God remains faithful and true in looking out for His chosen people. When you think about it, it's no different today. People disobey and test God's patience, while they also endure hardships and challenges that they wouldn't have desired. But in all, God remains faithful through and through. If you missed any part of this series in the book of Numbers, you can hear these messages by going to CalvaryInglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our service times are on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website is CalvaryInglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Numbers, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You might be surprised by how things in this book might apply to the very things you're working through in your own life. So be sure to join us again to hear and be challenged by a transforming word.